Merry Christmas. Man, I tell you, it's good to be in worship with you tonight. If, if I haven't met you before, I'm Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at Spring Hill. And uh, you really, uh, you may not know this, but you've kind of become a part of what we call our legacy service. This is a picture of our legacy site right behind me. And typically at 7 o'clock on a Christmas Eve, um, we gather together in this quaint little country church with the snow falling. You know what I'm talking about. And the, the live candles lit. And, um, and for me, it is the crescendo of the Christmas Eve night. Um, but I have to say, we might not be at Legacy, but I felt it. I heard you, uh, and so thank you for singing. And um, I'm so excited to uh, to be here with you. Um, you know, we, um, we're kind of in this season, right? And we, we've kind of experienced, maybe even some of us personally tonight, um, this idea that, that Christmas was going to look like and sound like and feel like something that we had in our minds, and yet for many of us it's different. And so it might not be the Christmas that you want, um, but as I've shared with all three services now, this is the Christmas that we need. And uh, so here's my, my hope, just that you'll settle in for the next few minutes as we open up God's Word. We're going to do something a little bit different, kind of as a look back to all those who uh, join us at 5 o'clock. We're going to read God's Word. Uh, we're going to read the Christmas story from Matthew's uh, Gospel in chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. But rather than me read it, I'm going to let our church read it here up on the screen. So listen to God's Word tonight. Matthew 1, 18-23 The birth of Jesus Christ Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law And unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream Saying, Joseph, son of David do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall con- conceive and bear a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which Which means means God's with with us. That's so good. Pray with me, will you? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word to us. Lord, it's so good to hear so many voices reading the Christmas story. So, Lord, we just ask now that as we gather together right now around that word, Lord, that you would illuminate it not only in our minds but in our hearts. God, I just ask that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, we've heard this story so many times before, and yet we know know that there is something to be gained by it. Because in that manger was salvation. So Lord, we ask, we ask that you would give us your word now. Lord, as we, we dwell on it, we think about it by your Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. So I want you to picture a dark and cold night, maybe somewhat like now. It's the eve of Christmas Eve, though. It's December 1818, and a small town in the Swiss Alps is fast asleep. 
The snow had just fallen, the clouds had dissipated, and the night sky was now crystal clear. You could see stars scattered across the sky to the horizon. And now picture a priest wearing a black wool overcoat. He's on his way home from his friend's house after gathering to sing Christmas carols. And as he, walked through the, as he walks through the woods, he comes to this hillside where he can see the glow of his hometown reflecting off the night snow. It's still and peaceful and quiet. But as he looks over what seems like the perfect Christmas card, he's unsettled by all of it. In fact, he's downright troubled because he knows Christmas Eve won't look anything like he had imagined. His church had been plagued for months with this worn down, rusted out organ. It couldn't play a single note. And he knows the celebration won't be the same. But just as he was considering his predicament, his eyes drifted over to the hillsides nearby. And he thought of shepherds and the manger, the angels infiltrating the night sky. He began to dream about what it must have been like to witness those hands curled up around his mother's finger for the first time. And that's when the words came to him. Stille Nacht. Heilige Nacht. You know the words, don't you? Say them with me in English. Silent night. Holy night. All is calm. All is bright. The next morning he brought the poem to the church organist. And as the story goes, at the last minute, they put the music to words, and with a guitar and a quartet, God took a crisis and turned it into Christmas. And still today, that hymn carries more history, more memories than probably any other hymn in the church. And still tonight, hundreds of years later, over two billion Christians will sing that song in over 300 languages worldwide. It's a fitting story when you think about why we're here tonight, isn't it? You know, in fact, our scripture is all about a crisis turned Christmas. You know the story well. We're told an ordinary man named Joseph is betrothed to his future bride. Betrothal was the first step in a Hebrew marriage, right? It was much like an engagement, but with more promises and consequences. It was a legal agreement between families that this couple would be wed. Forget the ring. This one came with a, a payment made by the groom to the bride's father. It was so much more than just something on the finger. It was a contract. So you can imagine the turmoil when we come to the words of this famous lesson. She was found to be with child. That wasn't the plan. Joseph didn't know from whom or from where, but he knew firsthand there was no way this child could be his. Think about the searing pain of that kind of news. This was the last thing Joseph would have expected. It was a full-on scandal. For Mary to be found pregnant was in every sense of the word Joseph's worst nightmare. In fact, that kind of indiscretion was so unthinkable, it was illegal. And the sentence for that crime was certainly death. Joseph knew all about a dark and cold night. God's word tells us he was considering these things, wrestling in his mind, tossing and turning, trying to figure out how this happened and why this happened, and more importantly, what now? He could have easily blown it up. Most men, they would have gone straight to the courts by now. They would have made an example of this woman. 
And yet God's word tells us Joseph being a just man walked away quietly. It was a heartbreaking scenario, right? It was a, it was a domestic disaster and Joseph's caught up in it. See, we don't typically put the words Christmas and crisis together and yet this is how the entire chronicle of Jesus' birth begins. It reminds me of a story about a little brother and sister who were on their way to the children's Christmas pageant at church. They'd been rehearsing for this, this moment for weeks, and this car ride was the final practice before the big dance. And as they pulled into the parking lot, the, the little boy, he began to rehearse. He sang the final words of his performance, sleep in heavenly beams, to which his sister replied, I've told you five times, it's not beans, it's peas. Shout out to all the staff who's heard me tell that horrible joke three times now. No, but, but, I, but I share that dad joke because I feel like it's not just the kids who have trouble with those words in that chorus. Right? Of all the years that we've lived on this planet, this year has shown us we are not nearly as in tune with God's peace, his heavenly peace as we thought we were. We know what it is to be kept awake at night, all of us. We know what it is to consider these things as Joseph did. Whatever the struggle We all know what it is to have the wheels turning and the mind racing. And that's because we live in this world that's all too familiar with that word. Crisis. Here's what I want us to know tonight. God's in the business of taking even the most desperate disaster and transforming it into Christmas. See, just as Joseph was considering all the options before him and he was wrestling with this decision to quietly let the love of his life go, he falls asleep. Did you catch that? Look at this up on the screens in verse 20. But as he considered all this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And this holy messenger of God comes to this man in a full-blown disaster and he brings him the greatest news the world had ever known. And he tells him, Joseph, you're gonna be a dad. This child, it's conceived by the Holy Spirit, but you're going to be the one that adopts him. And we know that because a father named his son and the angel told him, you're going to name him Jesus. You know what that name means? It means deliverer or rescuer, which really begs the question, rescued from what and for who? Now, here's what I want us to see tonight. Christmas is not just about Joseph's crisis. It's about ours. And I don't just mean the day-to-day challenges of this life. Um, that was just a primer to get us thinking. No, I'm, think more colossal than that. Think far bigger picture than that. You know, for some time now, we've been fighting this worldwide pandemic, a plague of massive proportions. But listen carefully, because I'm not talking about 2020. This plague, it started in the very beginning of creation. It began with this choice of something called sin by Adam and Eve. You know that story well. And then it spread like wildfire. And still thousands of years later, here we sit stuck in a world trying to pick up the shattered mess. God's word tells us we've hit a 100% infection rate. The book of Romans tells us all have fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. It's a gloomy picture, isn't it? But then comes Christmas. See, if I do nothing else tonight, um, here's my hope. Here's what I want you to see. 
That promise fulfilled in that manger is the same promise still for you and I today. And not only did Jesus come to save us, he was God with us. He came to be one of us. Our scripture explains it like this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew must have known we'd be confused because he spells it out for us. That name means God with us. We're told Joseph awoke, and with the experience of that dream, he did just as the Lord commanded him. And this young couple raises the Savior of the world. I want us to see tonight that a crisis is what Christmas is all about. The prophet Isaiah once cried out to the Lord. He said, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And the story of the miracle of Christmas reminds us that's exactly what he did. Let me ask you, what would you say is the most frequent promise of God in the Bible? Can you guess? You know, a lot of us, we might jump to a conclusion. We might say, well, it's certainly got to be I will always love you. God is all about love. Or we would think maybe it's, I will forgive you. Maybe the most frequent promise of the Bible is that God would care for us and protect us. But as one scholar once pointed out, the most spoken promise of God in all of Scripture is none of that. It's simply, I will be with you. And right now, on the eve of Christmas, we celebrate the crescendo and the fulfillment of that promise. Let me try to explain what that means. Um, Dallas Willard tells the story of a child whose mother had died. And we all know that the words Christmas and death don't go together very well either. But in his grief, this little boy, he would struggle with this sadness and sorrow at most at night. And he would come into his father's room and he would crawl under the covers to be with his dad. But it wasn't enough. This little boy, he couldn't rest until in the darkness he knew his father was faced towards him. And so he'd tug on his dad's t-shirt and wake him up. And as the father rolled over, he'd ask, he'd say, Dad, is your face turned toward me? And in that pitch black of night, he would reach out and feel for his father's face. And just as his dad would awake, he would assure his little boy, he'd say, Son, I'm with you. You know, I know we've heard the Christmas story before, but really, I'm not sure we fully comprehend it. Like in that moment, right, when the shepherds and the wise men and Mary and Joseph and the animals looked into the face of this child, they were looking into the face of God. Walk up on the hillside with me for a minute. Just take a 50,000 foot view. What is the crisis that you're walking through this year? Maybe even right now. Where's the place in your life where you've been wondering, Lord, are you still here? Is your face turned to me? See, what I want us to see is that even in the hardship or the disappointment or the all-out crisis of this life, the promise of Christmas, the reason we're here, is that you are never alone. At Spring Hill, we started out four weeks ago with that definition. And still tonight, after all the scriptures of Christmas, I'm sticking with it. Emmanuel means hope in the midst of hopelessness. It means healing in the midst of discord. It means comfort in our troubles. It means fulfillment in our longings. It's God's presence even when we can't see him or feel him. And it's a promise that lasts forever. Anybody see that Christmas star this week? 
You know, the one that was all over the news, Jupiter and Saturn come together, the great, what do they call it, the great conjunction. They say the next time we'll see that kind of brightness in the sky is 800 years long. But I have to say, like in my head when I saw it, I thought, I'm not sure that does it justice. I don't think it even comes close to the first Christmas star. See, if you open up John's gospel, you'll find that uh, John, for some reason, leaves out the Christmas story entirely. He must have known that we had gotten all the words from Matthew and and Luke. And and it's almost as if uh, he wants to summarize the whole story in just one sentence. And he packs this profound punch with this. He says, Jesus is the light that's shining in our darkness. And the darkness will never overcome it. A priest walks into the woods. Wondering how in the world God could do something with so little on Christmas Eve. A teenage boy lays awake at night wondering how his bride-to-be could be pregnant out of wedlock. And a world still lost, desperately trying to find its way, wondering what tomorrow will bring, is still waiting and longing for a king. A silent night, holy night, all is calm. All is bright. You know, typically we finish that song and we blow out the candles and say amen and move on with our lives. But tonight I want to ask us to do something a little bit different. I mean, I want to ask that you leave the candle lit. And as Lauren said, you take it home with you. You know, put it somewhere in your car or in your house. Let it be a reminder, not only tonight, but all year long, that God can take even the darkest of night and make it light again. But if you do that, here's my Christmas challenge. When you carry that candle, you also acknowledge that you still live in a world that needs us to shine on them. Every one of us right now, we know of someone tomorrow or even tonight that's still in the shadows. Someone whose Christmas is wrapped up in loneliness or sadness or illness or even death this year. So here's my question. What would it look like tonight For you to take someone's crisis and turn it back to Christmas. It's a weary world. Here's why we rejoice. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Merry Christmas. Pass it on. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, that you would look down on a world and see a way where there was no way. And God, of all the ways that you could come, you came in a humble manger. So God, I thank you for the hope that you proved in the midst of hopelessness, for the light that you shined in the midst of darkness. God, I ask one thing that you would help all of us, each of us in this room tonight, to be a conduit of that grace. Lord, that others would see your love, that others would know that you are with them. And God, whatever it takes, use every bit of us to bring that good news. But Lord, I pray for any heartbeat in this room tonight who's particularly struggling. God, that you would overwhelm them with the comfort and peace, the hope and joy that is Christmas. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.